bit of a surprise there. And we also have the children in here this first Sunday of the month, our communion Sunday. The children are in here for our service. And kids, we have some, some games for you to play that I think the adults will enjoy watching you play as well. Last week we were looking at the ten virgins. And we saw something with the ten virgins that all ten who came to wait for the bridegroom, all ten knew he was coming. All ten looked forward to his coming. All ten wanted him to come. But only five were ready. And the other five had to go out and get the things that they did not make ready by the time that he came. They made those things ready and then they came on back. But the door had been shut. And we saw some things on that because Jesus is teaching the people here, the questions that the disciples asked. The disciples asked three questions. When will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming? And of the end of the age. Those are the questions he is endeavoring to answer. Many times we get other answers from these things. That's not what he answered. He did not talk about, he did not teach them about the rapture because he, they did not ask about the rapture because they don't know about the church. That's going to come later. Now he leaves room for it. But here in these ten, we see that they asked the five who didn't have oil. They asked of the five who did, give us some. And we talked about how people in your life, they're going to ask you, well, you know, you have this, so give me some. And that's not always the case. It's not always not the case either. I want to make sure I didn't emphasize that last time. Sometimes God will use you. And sometimes God will say, will you step in and help over here? And that's all right to do. But make sure you're following the voice of the Spirit. If the voice of the Spirit leads you to help, then you're part of the plan. But sometimes we can get in the way. You don't want to get in the way. These people were not ever made to go after the Spirit of God themselves. They were not ever made to listen to the voice of the Spirit. So the voice of the Spirit wasn't able to prepare them. And so they they didn't go. But notice at the end of that parable, and this is the parable that comes right before the one we're looking at today. At the end of that parable, they are not cast out in the outer darkness. They just don't go into the feast. So that's why I told you last time. These are folks who don't, they know about Jesus. They know about Jesus coming. But they aren't ready when he comes. But I thought Jesus didn't teach about the rapture. He doesn't. They don't know what this is. And I'll show you how to comparison when we look at the one with the talents. You'll see why what Jesus did here is he didn't teach them about the rapture, but he left room for it. And once they understood the things about the rapture later on, oh, that's how, that's where that fits in on this particular thing. And so that's what, that's the, Beauty of how Jesus is just such a phenomenal teacher. Over the last number of weeks, though, I want you to see the progression of this. We've looked at the parable of the minus. We looked at the parable of the talents. We've looked at the parable of the talents today. And we also looked at the parable of the vineyard workers. Now, see the progression that is here. In the parable of the vineyard workers, the... The owner of the vineyard would go down to the marketplace to look for who wants to work. And he gave an invitation to anyone who was there to come and work. And everyone who came to work, whether they worked all day or they worked for the last hour, received the same reward, the same pay, which was a denarius. Now, that is an example that all you need to do is receive the invitation of Jesus, receive the invitation into the family, receive the invitation to go into the field, and salvation is yours. It does not matter if you were saved your entire life or you got saved on your deathbed. Salvation is yours. But then he went on and he talked about the minus. And in the parable of the minus, he took ten of his servants amidst those who were there in the citizens of the country who didn't like him. 
but he took his servants. He took ten of his servants and he gave them each a mina. Everyone got the same thing. At the beginning, everyone got one mina. Now go and, and, uh, and put it to work. But one guy didn't put it to work. But the rest, they all received the same thing. And so we showed you that in, let me read that scripture again for you. In Romans 12:3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more higher than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So each one of us has been given a measure of faith. What you do with it from there is up to you. And some people have been given a measure of faith and they don't put it to work at all. They bury it. But everyone has been given the measure of faith. Now in this one, everyone is given something different. You got to take a look at the parables all together and understand them. Don't try and make each parable teach the same thing over and over again. He's teaching something different. So in this one, let's begin to read here in verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now he called who? So everyone he called are his servants. Isn't that right? And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. Now that's not fair, is it? Remember, grace is not fair. God gives what he wants to give. He has the grace that is there. There's a reason for it maybe on his side, but here he's going to give us the reason for this. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability, immediately he went on a journey. So this is what he's, he's basically going out here and done, as he has taken some of, the, some of the, the stuff that he's got, and he's got a talent. And so he comes on up to him and he goes, here is a talent for you. And he gave, to, to some he gave one talent. To some he gave two talents. To some he gave five talents. It all depended on what? What was the, what was the deciding thing? Their ability. What is the ability that you have for that? So he might look over here and say, well, you got a little bit more ability. I'm going to give you five. You got a little bit more Billy, I'm going to give you five. But you know what? I'm going to give you ten. Why? Because there's ability there. There's, there's things that the hood just comes over and he says, I got all my servants here and I'm giving them all some, some stuff. But he, it's up to him. He's doing, all right, this one over here, he's got an ability, he can handle five. Now there's something different about that. I'm going to make a note here for you in just a minute. But he just goes over and he just begins to give them to them. I like that smile. All right. I may be walking out of the camera on this, but I don't have, uh, have too much choice. I got some in the, in the back there and I can't quite get to them. So uh, come on up. Yes, that'll work. And so what we do is we have the, the, the ability. Unless you want, to, you want to come and get both of them? Thank you. All right. So he went out there and he just, he's determined. In the, in the one with the, um, with the vineyard workers, everyone got the same reward, no matter how hard they worked, no matter how long they worked. And the ones who came in early, that's not fair. That's not fair. And they wanted to get more. In the parable of the minas, everybody got the same amount. One. 
But in this one, they got different. Now, he called all his servants. We only know what three of them got. We don't know what the rest of them got. There may have been some three-talent people in there. There may have been some four-talent people in there. We don't know what the rest of them got, but this is all we really need to know. There are some that got more, some that got a little less and less, and, and some that got just one. They, they got something out of it. They got one. But I want you to see something that is different on this. In the parable of talents, different from all the other parables that we have, in this one, there is foreknowledge. He foreknows what you can handle. In the other ones, he didn't do that. He didn't do his foreknowledge to find out if you could handle salvation. All you had to do was accept the invitation. He didn't use foreknowledge to determine if you should have the gift of faith. No, all you had to do is get saved and he gives to each one a gift, a measure of faith. That's it. But on this one, he's got some foreknowledge on. No, you know what? This one over here, I think, he, I think he's a five talent. Now, if you're wondering what talents is, we think talents, we all think ability. I've got a talent, I've got a unique ability. That's not what this means. Talent for them is a weight measurement. It's how much something weighs. And so, if, uh, just because you have a talent doesn't mean that you have the same amount of money. Because you could have a talent of gold or a talent of silver. Which one do you think worse, uh, is uh, more valuable? Gold. Uh, it's the same weight, but, it's, but gold has more value than silver. So if you have a talent of gold, you've got a lot. Now, God doesn't really deal with much. He doesn't mess with silver. I mean, he's paving the streets with gold. So he's got gold up there. So more than likely, that's what it is. But he doesn't, he doesn't specify. Now, if you, if you dig into some things, if you have... How many people have an amplified version? I do like the Amplified, but I don't know what they were thinking on this. I, I can't figure this one out for me. In the, it, I looked at it and said, I don't know where they got that from. But if you look at that, they will actually assign a dollar amount to the talents of five talents as $5,000. That is garbage. I don't know where they got that from. <laughs> now, I pulled out some things from other... There's other sources, and just about every source you have is going to put a different amount on this. But we're not talking small change here. This is big time stuff. Dakes, which was written about 50, 60 years ago. That's a long time. Things have gone up since then. He put the value at $145,425 for five talents. I'm pretty sure he's using gold on that. But he, I don't remember him specifying. Two talents at 58170 and one talent at $29,085. That's a lot of money. He's giving them some stuff. Now, the talent represents... What belongs to God, but is given to you to further his kingdom. So whatever he's given, it belongs to him. It's part of his kingdom. He's given it to you to work in this world until he comes back. To some he gave five. To some he gave two. To some he gave one. How many would like to know what your talent is? No, they don't care. <laughs> there ought to be a way we can figure it out, right? I'm going to try and get at the end, end, at the end here to give you some help on that. Now, the reason for unequal distribution is simply because unequal ability. Some people can handle more than others. Now, think of it this way. We're still a little ways yet, even though I've, I've heard that the Christmas decorations are making it out into the stores. But Thanksgiving is coming up. 
if you are having people over for Thanksgiving and you may ask certain ones to do some prep. How many of y'all know that from all the people that you have coming out, some people can handle prep better than others? <laughs> some people, a salad. You bring a salad. All right, just just a salad. That's it. For another one, just go to the store and buy a dessert. That's all they can handle. You know, go to the store and buy the dessert. Other people, you may say, can you make the casserole and the uh, potato salad and uh, whatever else that you're going to have on, on and the stuffing? Can you, can you, oh yeah, yeah, I got that handle. Are there not some people who would come out that you would not assign to Turkey? <laughs> you know, you'd be in trouble because they are not a Turkey talent trustworthy person. Give them the Turkey. It's, it's, it's not going to end well. We're going to have a problem. So this is what it's, it's about. This is why he's looking at the ability. But he, he knows the end from the beginning. He knows this person can handle a turkey and have it ready and it's going to be good on Thanksgiving. This person, if we give it to, it's going to come out black, no flavor, and dry as a bone. We don't want that person bringing the, the Thanksgiving turkey. So this is what he's, he knows that, that ability. Now we know other people are, uh, how their talented are is, is cooking because of past experience or no experience. There are some people, they burn toast. So you have to be real careful with what you assign them and have them bring. Now again, this guy, he's going on a journey. How many times in these parables have we heard about him going on a journey? The Good Samaritan was on a journey. In the Good Samaritan, Jesus answered two questions we saw. The question everyone focused on was, who is my neighbor? But the original question was, how can we receive eternal life? What must we do? That was the original question. So he has the parable that answers the original question in a masked, guarded way so that they don't understand what he just said while answering, who is my neighbor? Masterful teacher Jesus was. I just love, love the things in the Gospels. Well, let's go on with this. We saw that in Romans 12, 3, it says he's given to each one a measure of faith. Let's skip on down just a couple of verses. Romans 12, 6. Having then gifts differing. Oh, doesn't that sound like the parable of the talents? According to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministry. And he who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. This is just a small list, but these are things he throws out. Did you know that giving is one of the talents? One of the things that God would give. He's given some people the ability to go out and make money better than most people. And they're one of the givers in the church. They're one of the people who, who help finance some things that, that, that God will use. Because God doesn't print money in heaven. He doesn't just mail it. He's, he's not a counterfeiter. There are some people that are teachers. There are some people that are evangelists. There are some people who prophesy. There are some people who minister in all kinds of ways. But they all differ. So there are gifts that are differing. Verse 16. 
Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So he's using this money and he made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, I want you to tell you something here. You may have skipped over this and not really realized this. If this parable is only about the tribulation and the end times that they are asking about, why does he tarry a long time? Is seven years a long time? It is not. Why does he tarry a long time? Because he is leaving room for a gap that they don't know about yet. He just left room for it. He didn't teach about it, but he left room. So what is given here in the parable is money. This is money you're supposed to go out there, spend, invest, do stuff with, some things with. It represents the gifts that God gives to us to fulfill our place in the body. So God hasn't just put you in a place in the body. He's given you gifts to, uh, to accomplish it. We know from Corinthians, some people are uh, an arm. Some people are a hand. Some people are a foot. Some people are an eye. Some people are an ear. And he says, are all, are all people an eye? Is, is the whole body an eye? No. The whole body has varied parts. And each part has certain functions. The enemy wants you to envy, if you are an eye, he wants you to envy the ear. No, I wish I was an ear. I want to be an ear. I want to have talents like an ear. But God made you an eye. So the devil loves you to get out of place. Because if you get out of place, you're not, you're not going to be equipped to do what you're supposed to be doing. We'll get more into that here in just a minute. Now, here in this part, we have the, we have the five who came and they traded and they made another five talents. The two, the one who received two, he gained another two talents. But one person didn't trade. One person didn't. What did they do? They buried it. So in honor of that, and so for us to be thinking about this, we have scattered around here in the church a number of buried treasure in which we want the children to be able to come up and to, uh, to find them. We're going to start off with some of the younger ones. If you guys want to come on up, we would love to have you come up. Lissy, come on up. We're going to start out with the younger ones. How many were they going to find you per? Maybe two. All right, we'll start off with two. Come on up. All right, around here, up here in the front. Uh, she put them all kinds. I did not put them. I can't give you any hints at all. Do you see anything up there? Take a look. Take a look. What do you see? Uh, you got one. Is that any good? You can have. Well, that one's mine. This one's a game, though. He's very interested in the things that are over here. He's an electronics guy. Go take a look over here. Look over here in the stage. Look over here in the stage. Where else can we send them? About over... You got some? Back by? There's some things underneath chairs. I see underneath chairs. You might find some underneath the chairs. On the table in the back. All right. We're going to open it up to some more. Did you find... You didn't find anything yet. Oh, did you find something? All right. All right, come on. We're going to bring the rest of the kids up. Come on, kids. Come, come on up. They're, they're scattered all over. Get at least two. Hold up after two. We'll just make sure everybody gets to have some. 
There you go. That's one of your favorites. <laughs> Here, I'll give you a hint. What you got? What's this guy? It looks like one to me. Go ahead. All right. As they continue to look, I wrote, to, I wrote some things down. Why would anyone want to bury their talent? Why would anyone want to hide it? Now, generally, if you're going to bury something, if you're going to hide something, it's because you want to preserve it for yourself so that no one else can get it. Or you want other people to find it, but you want them to have fun finding it. This is what we're doing here. We're having people have fun finding the, finding the thing. Did you find any more? You don't want that one up there? I don't know what that is. But that's one of the that's one of the treats. Do you think they got them all? No. They did not. What's that? We gotta stop at two or we just make sure they're up. There are still more up here. There are still you guys can keep on looking. Keep on looking. Now here's some reasons why a believer might bury their gift. First off, I don't see it as worth anything. If you don't see that your gift is worth anything, you won't see it as being received by people. And so you'll bury it because, well, I know God gave me this, but, you know, it's just not, it's not as bad. It's, it's not an eye. You know, if the gift that he gave me made me into an eye and I was seeing things, that'd be great. But, you know, the gift that I, it's just, it's, it's not all that great. I don't really like it. I don't see it as worth anything. That's one reason that people will bury it. Another reason I don't want to, I don't want to live it. I don't want to live out what my gift is. Whatever it might be, we just saw that list there that uh, was in Romans. Those things are there. I don't want to live that out. Maybe God has put that on me, but I don't like it. I don't like giving. And even though God has put that on me, I'm not going to go that way. I want to keep all my stuff for myself. Maybe I don't want to invite persecution. Because if you go out with your gift into the world, you will invite persecution. And that can be a reason why we don't want to do it. I don't want the persecution, so I'm going to take the gift that I have and I'm going to bury it. I'm not going to let, let people see it. One another, another reason is I'm not worthy of it. I don't see myself as worthy of that gift. That's a, that's a gift and you know what? I just, I'm not living right. I still have these issues in my life. I am just not worthy of the gift. So I'm just going to bury it. Maybe down the road I'll become worthy to be able to do it. But right now I just don't feel like I'm worthy of the gift that I've been given. Maybe you don't want to take the risk. I don't want to risk losing it. I don't want to risk weakening it. I don't want to risk having God looked at as anything less than He should be looked at. And I just won't do justice to this thing. I don't want to take the risk. Or maybe we say, I'm worthy of more. That's the gift. You, you gave me one. I've got to be at least a two or a three. I'm worthy of more. Well, I'm mad because you didn't give me more, so I'm just going to bury this one. I'm not interested in serving God. I'm just not interested. I don't want to serve God. I don't care what God called me to. I don't care what talent He put on me. I don't want to serve God. I want to know about God. I want to have the fire insurance, make sure that I get to heaven. But I don't want to serve Him. 
I don't want to do those kind of things. Well, after a long time, it says the master comes back. Verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. He who had received five talents came and brought five other talents. Now, how many talents did he bring? He brought ten. That's ten talents. He had five. He brought... He earned five, and he brought those five. So that means he's got ten. He said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. That means he's got all ten right there. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Verse 22, He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. So how many did he bring to the table here? Four. Exactly. He brought four. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Exact same commendation that he gave him to the, to the other. Now, think about this. If these both delivered all that they gained, brought everything back, what did they live on? What did they live on? What did they have for themselves? It said he tarried a long time. They had to do have something. It didn't say... The guy who had five talents gained six, lived off of one, and brought the other five. It said he earned five, and he brought five. That means there's ten total. What they live on? Well, they had probably some other money, and they were using their other things to support themselves, and this is what's God. But what you do for God belongs to God. But it's important to note this, that what they were given belonged to God, and what they earned belong to God. That's what you see. What they earned with what God gave them belonged to God. The things, put this in your outline for you, the things we do in our flesh, we receive the reward for here. The things we do in the Spirit, we've received the reward for there. If you do something that looks spiritual, but you do it in the flesh, what's your reward? What you got here. If your talent is to give, but you decide I'm going to give so that men see what I have given, and therefore they give me honor, and they glorify me. Oh, you are such a good giver. Oh, you are such a good prophesier. Oh, you are such a good whatever it might be that you do. And they give you the, the glory for it. You have received your reward. But you see, when we do it by the Spirit, I don't care what, that men give me a reward. I care that God gets it. And this is the stuff that we're doing in the Spirit that it will get carried over. This is the stuff that we need to, to look for. Because we want to have those things to present to Him when we're before Him. Now, despite their different gains, they both got the exact same accommodation. It didn't matter that one only earned two and one only one had earned five. He didn't say anything, didn't remark, well, you were more faithful than the other one. And each one was going to Rule over cities. Now, if you were here on Wednesday night, 
We talked about that. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, I'm not going to fill you all in. But on Wednesday night, we talked about the millennial reign. What is this ruling over cities that's going on? What's this ruling? So go back up there, find the YouTube, the podcast, whatever it might be. We have that up there for you. You can go check that out. Verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I know you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. How many think he's going to get the same accommodation that the other two? No, that is not going to be there. But look at what he's saying here. I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your town in the ground. This is in your outline. Make sure you fill this out. I want you to get this. A wrong understanding of God. That's what he had. He had a wrong understanding of God. A wrong understanding of God will produce a wrong fear of him. We are told to fear God. But he had a wrong fear of God. There's a right fear, there's a wrong fear. He had the wrong. He was afraid he's going to punish me. He's afraid that he's going to come after me. That's a wrong fear. In all the parables that you see, all these parables that Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, there is never any remorse from the master, from whoever it is that, that is doling out the money. There is never any remorse on lost revenue, on lost money. He didn't care. The wicked servant, the unfaithful steward, he starts writing off people, just giving, giving stuff away. He didn't care. He had a man who owned him an incredible debt. Ah, let's just forgive it. He didn't care. Because this is what the master is. He doesn't care about this stuff. What he cares about is that you get developed and that you become something. That's what he cares about. That's what's important to him. If he had known the master, he would have known that was what was important, his development, not the money he would get back. So, a wrong understanding of God will produce a wrong fear of him as, as we will cultivate a wrong expectation from him. You have that wrong fear, you are going to cultivate a wrong expectation from him. You're going to expect something from him that he's not going to do. He's not going to produce. That's what he said. I was afraid and went and hid your money. I was afraid. I thought you're going to make sure that you receive this. You need to have your money. Don't do that. A man, the man was given something according to his ability, but he did not live up to it. Understand this about this guy. He had the ability to handle one talent. He had that ability. He could have gone out and he could have produced one talent and brought back two talents and he would have received the exact same accommodation that the others did. But he didn't do it because he had the wrong understanding of who the father was and that produced fear and a wrong expectation. But he had the ability to handle one talent. There are people in the body of Christ, there are servants of God, they have the ability to handle what God put in their life. But because of fear, because of wrong expectation, because they don't know who the Father is, they will bury the talent they have. They will not use the talent. They have the ability. It is in them to use it. Whatever it is that God has put into your life, whether it be one talent, two talents, five talents, or whatever talent, whatever He has put in your life, you also have the ability 
to do it. To make that thing work. You have that ability. The enemy is always trying to tell people, you can't be that. You can't do what God's called you to do. That won't work for you. The hidden talent was unable to bring any gain into the kingdom. Verse 26. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Hmm. Wicked and lazy. Not wicked or lazy. Wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Now we know from the parable of the miners that he's judging him on what he thinks about God. Not who God actually is. He will do that in this world. There are people out there who have a wrong expectation of God. And God, they do not need to know the whole truth for God to judge them. God will simply say this, I'll judge you according to the truth you think you know. It isn't truth. It isn't right. But I'd say how you did living up to that. You will find out that most people who say, well, I believe this about God, don't live up to that. Don't operate in such a way that they actually think that's going on. So this is what you knew. This is what you thought about me. You thought that I was someone who reaped where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Now that's not fair, is it? Why not give it to the one who has four? That he can kind of catch up a little bit. But no, he didn't do that. He gave it to the one who had the ten. Because, he says, he who has, more will be given. Why? You've been faithful with it. You've been faithful with it. Our time down here on this, on this planet is not a big chunk of change. It's small. At best, you're going to be down here, what, 70, 80, 90, 100 years? Something like that. That's, the, that's pretty much the, the most what you're going to be down here for. In the millennial reign, that will be 1,000 years. That's a, this is a small thing to compare it to the millennial reign. And after the millennial reign, it's eternity. All eternity. And that's going to be a different kingdom after that. After the millennial reign, we have the good kingdom. That's the one I'm looking forward to. New heaven, new earth. Looking forward to the things that are coming up for us there. He said, you ought to deposit my money with the bankers. At least someone's using it. At least someone's out there doing something with it. Verse 29, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. God is not opposed to us having abundance. No matter who it is who wants to teach you that God doesn't want you to have abundance, He wants you to be on poor street, He does not want you to be on poor street. How many know that Jesus came to heal the sick? Because He healed the sick, right? How many know that He came to, to help the brokenhearted? Because he came to help the brokenhearted. What did he come to do with the poor? Make them poor? No, he came to help the poor as well. He came to preach good news to the sick. Good news to the poor. Good news to the, to the broken. Each one of them is different. Good news to the sick is what? You can be healed. You don't have to be sick anymore. You can be healed. What is good news to the poor? You don't got to be poor no more. What's good news to the broken? You don't got to be broken no more. That's good news. He came to preach good news to all those people. 
God is not opposed to having abundance, but He is adverse to us being lazy. He doesn't want you being lazy. You wicked and lazy servant. He doesn't want you being lazy. Get out there and put what He has put in you to work. Was God against abundance with Abraham? He was not. Was God against abundance with Jacob? He was not. No matter where Jacob was, he grew. Was God against abundance with Joseph? He was not. Joseph grew with abundance. Each of those those people. David, how about abundance with him? Oh, man, silver wasn't even considered to be valuable, I think, in his days. Solomon, how about abundance there? And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, now we're getting that outer darkness stuff here. Why? This didn't happen with the ten virgins. How come it happens now? Because at the end of the ten virgins, you still got a chance. You still got the tribulation period. You can still... The, the feast has been closed. But how many know people are getting saved while the feast is going on? People are getting saved after the feast is done. Before the tribulation ends, they can be saved. Those uh, five virgins, if they would get the preparations right, they could do it. We, we went over that last time what the preparations were. All right, let's get down to a question here. In the vineyard workers, we saw that all received the same reward salvation. In the miners, we saw each was given faith. It was all the same, but the yield was different. Here, we see in this first one, of these three parables, this is the one that involves foreknowledge. Foreknowledge was there. So, how can I know what gift I was given? How can you know it? Don't you want to know? You can't use, but you don't know. How can I know what gift I was given? First off, God knows you and your ability. He knows you. He made you. He knows who you are. He knows the talents. He knows the abilities. He knows the things that are in you. He knows what you can handle. More than you even know it. Take a look at Peter. Jesus knew what Peter could handle at that stage in Peter's life. Peter didn't know. I'm not going to deny you. Well, Peter, let me tell you what. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. Oh, no, no, not me. All right, let's see. Why? Because he knew him. He knew his ability. And the same thing, God knows you and he knows your ability. But he also knew that Peter was going to grow up from this because he said, Peter, the way that you're going to die is this way. And he told him how he was going to die. Because Peter would give his life for the Savior. He just wasn't ready to just then. First off, God knows you and your ability. He knows those. And understand this about God. Let me put it to you this way. Mom and dad, Christmas is coming up. Mom and dad go and shop for you for Christmas. They know who you are. They know what you like. And they go out and they pick you a, a Christmas present. Are, gonna, are they going to pick you something that you don't like? Are they going to go around and say, you know what? They really don't like snakes. And I would really like to see them get over their fear of snakes. Let's buy them a snake. Well, I know they really don't like spiders. And we would like to see them get over their fear of spiders. Let's go out and buy them a really big spider. Let's get them a nice furry tarantula. And you go and you open up that present and here comes this slithering snake. Oh! Here comes this creepy, crawly spider. Is that what you would expect from your mom and dad? No, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> I hope not. 
Maybe from your grandparents, not your mom and dad. But your father in heaven's not going to do that either. If he has a gift, he has a, a talent he wants to give to you, it's going to be something that you love. One of the most fun things about birthdays and Christmas is when you have gone to shop for something, you found something that you know they're going to love. Oh, I can just see they are going to so enjoy this. And you wrap it up and you can't wait for the time when it comes to you handing them the present and they open it up. You are so anticipating their expression, their look when they open up that gift because you know they're going to like it. This is God. God knows you. He knows your ability. He knows what you like because he put those likes in you. He's going to give you a gift that you will love. You know what the enemy tries to sell you on? God has given you a talent. He's given you an ability. He's given you a gift that you will hate. How many times have you heard Christians saying things like this? Oh, I hope God doesn't call me to the mission field. Oh, I wouldn't do well in the mission field. Please, God, please don't call me to the mission field. I wouldn't do well out there. They come up with something that they, they just, oh, I envision myself doing that. That's just not going to work. And they think this is probably something God has given. God's probably given me that because he knows I'll hate it. God's going to give you something that you love. You're going to love his gift. Whether, whatever his gift is, you are going to love it. Others will look at you. They're going to wonder, how in the world do you put up with that? How do you put up with what people do as you walk in that gift that God has given you. How do you do it? I don't know. I love it. I love serving God. I love doing this for God. I don't want to do anything else. I love doing this. Whatever it is that God has given you, you will love it. How many people probably looked at Moses and said, how do you put up with those people? Why do you do this? Because the gift that God gave Moses, Moses loved it. You don't intercede for people like Moses interceded for the people if you don't love it. David, how can you put up with that gift that God put on your life? How can you do that? David wouldn't just lay his life on the line for anyone. He laid on his life on the line because he loved doing what he did. He loved the gift that God gave him. Elijah, how can you risk your life and be up there on the mountain how can you do that? They want to kill you. Because Elijah loved doing the gift that God had given him. Jeremiah, how can you love preaching the word the way that you do when people beat you the way they have and they throw you in prison because the love for doing what God said to do was greater than the pain, as Jeremiah put it. Ezekiel, how can you live up to the call that God has put in your life where your entire life is dominated by the things that God tells you to do? Because Ezekiel loved the calling that was on his life because those are the things that he put in his life. The disciples loved putting their life on the line for Jesus. After Jesus ascended, they went around all over and they preached the gospel and each one of them gave their life up for God except for John and they tried to kill him. They just couldn't. Paul, how can you put up with this riot? Every place you go, people riot. People get mad at you. They throw you in prison. They beat you. They do all these things. How can you put up with that? Because he loved teaching people. He loved going into a new city and bringing the gospel to them. Raising up pastors, raising up ministers in the city, and then moving on into another one. 
He loved doing it. It was in him. Because the gift that God has given you, you will love. And as you walk in that gift that you love, you will cultivate and you will increase that gift and it will grow. And it will get bigger. It may have been a two-talent gift, but you've grown into a four-talent gift. It may have been a five-talent gift, but you grow it into a ten-talent gift. Can you not say that Moses, from the time that he was given that gift until the time that he died, did not double what it was that was on him? Can we not say the same thing about Jeremiah and Ezekiel? Oh, the way that Ezekiel grew throughout the prophecies of, his book, of that book. Oh, wow. See, he cultivated it, and it grew. Loving what others do or receive... In their gift. I might love what somebody else does or what they receive than the gift that they have. It's not the same as loving what God gives you. Don't follow after that. That's a trick of the devil. He's going to get you to look at somebody else's gift. Don't you love that? Don't you want that? Go after that. There's a real big thing that we'll read here in just a minute. Help you not to do that. But if you keep, if you are led to cultivate the wrong gift, you'll be using your flesh to do so. If you're going to cultivate the wrong gift, not a gift that God gave you, you're going to use your flesh to do it. And you will struggle. You will struggle. Now, you can struggle doing the gift that God gave you, too, if you do it in the flesh. You do anything in the flesh, you're going to, you're going to struggle with it. You've got to get into the spirit area. This is the great spiritual satisfaction when you flow in the gift that God has given you. Oh, there's great spiritual satisfaction when you do it. That's what you want to do. The gift may have different or changing outputs. Maybe the same gift and may have different outputs on it. When I first started, I knew God called me to be a, be a pastor, be a teacher. When I first started, I started with, ch- with children. I love children's ministries. I was involved in Tulsa a lot. The children loved being involved with children's ministries. Couldn't wait for the things. Where, but it, it didn't stay there. Eventually, it, the output wasn't children's ministry anymore. It was youth. And I loved the output of the youth. Oh, I even told God a few times, God, if you just want to stop here and this is where I stay for the rest of my life, I'm okay. But it didn't stay that way for too long. Eventually, that, uh, that moved, that output moved and I had to move on to a different output. You can stay on the wrong output. That's not the, the way to go. And it moved into adults. Some people look at it, how do you put up with the things that adults do? I don't know. I love it. I love it. I see people do foolish things. I'm all right. Well, we just got to teach them better. And I just go back to God and says, all right, God, we didn't quite get that one over. How can, <laughs> how can I get back in there and teach them some more? How can I get back in there and, and do that? I love it. People don't, a long time ago, people could frustrate me. I don't get frustrated by people anymore. I've had one or two that still show me, Steve, you have room to grow. I say, all right, we're going to get even better. <laughs> Romans 12, 3. I want to read this. We already read this. I want to read it again. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. There is a grace given to Paul. Along with whatever talent, whatever ability God has put in your life, and it comes with grace. He has given you grace in your life for that. If you try and take what God has put in you and put it where someone else is graced for, it won't work. 
Because God has given you the grace. If I tried to step into a Jeremiah ministry, it's not going to work because I haven't been graced for that. I've been graced for the areas that I, I have been in the area of teaching. That's where the grace is. If somebody doesn't get anything, get something right, or if somebody comes out of there with something wrong, I don't get frustrated with it. I go back to God. All right, God, we gotta, I got to figure out another way to do that. We're not quite getting there with it yet. But I understand where the grace is, where the talent is that God has put in there. It's not for someone else to tell you your gift. It is for you to discover. It is for you to walk in. You need to discover what your gift is. Don't let anybody come up to you and say, well, I think your gift is this. Because they will base it on natural things. Don't let anybody tell you what your gift is. You need to hear it from the Spirit. It is for you to discover. As you walk the believer's life, you will discover what your spirit man loves. You will find that there are some things that your spirit man loves. Oh, it just... Oh, every time I get into that area, oh, boy, just everything on the inside just gets fired up. Oh, you get excited. If your gift was giving and you found an opportunity to, to make some money, you got fired up in your spirit because you're like, oh, God, when I get the return on that, mm, I just can't wait till I can sow. You're fired up about that because you have the grace in that area. It might be prophecy. But you see, if you start off with a one-talent or two-talent gift of prophecy, well, as you put it to work, that one or two-talent gift of prophecy can become a two- or a four-talent gift of prophecy because you grow it up. It's not intended that the way God gave you the gift is the way it comes back. You put it to work. You find out how to do those things. You find out how to tap into your spirit, man. You find out about service. God's about being a servant. No matter what talent He's given you, the servant heart is what's there. So no matter how young you are, learn how to be a servant. God put parents in our life because they help us to learn how to become servants. Will you go get this for me? I sure will. I sure will. Be happy to. Can I get two? <laughs> That's a servant. How do most kids respond? Do I need to do it now? <laughs> Can't you ask? Because we don't want to develop that servant mentality. Develop how to be a servant. Because no matter what your gift is, it will make it flourish. And then, as you're going along, you're going to find certain things in the body of Christ that you're doing. I, Brother Keith Moore should talk about that one of the churches he was at, the guy who cleaned the bathrooms. He was standing outside. He just kind of he saw Brother Keith walk on by. He said, hello, Brother Keith. And he goes, hello. He said, did you have a reason to visit the restrooms yet? Uh, as a matter of fact, I did. And, and were they clean? Were they in good order? I said, they were remarkable. That's me. <laughs> he loves serving in that way. You want to find what God wants, what God has put a talent inside of you? 
get yourself to work. It will not be found when you bury it somewhere. When you just don't put it to work and you just let it sit there. No, you get out there and you be the servant. You be the one who wants to help. Whatever it is, you just serve, 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 serve. And as you serve, the more you serve, the more you help out other people, pretty soon some things begin to click in there. Oh, I really, I really like this one over here. Because you serve. I can give an example right here in our church of someone who, who did that. I can give more examples than this, but I'll just give you one because you all know this one. But Daryl, when we first started doing the video ministry and things like that, he, um, he just picked it. Well, I can serve there. And he just picked out, I'll just serve there. But as he began to serve there, he began to expand it. And he began to come to me and he'd say, hey, you know what? We can do this. <laughs> we can expand it and we can do this. We can do this. And then pretty soon, if we get another camera, if we get a better camera, if we do this kind of camera, and it worked, he's always changing things because his vision for it is expanding. And he's finding a calling in that area. And then he begins to find out what works and he begins to listen to YouTube things to find out how can we make this better? How can we get this to work over here? And oh, he just began to develop these things. Why? Because he served. That's where you'll find it. Serve. The more you serve, the more you're going to ignite those loves that you have. How many can say in your life, just in the natural, we're not talking spiritual, we're not talking about some godly gift that is in you, but in the natural, you have something that you love to do. You look forward to it. Anybody? All right. How did you find out that you love to do that? Did somebody just come over to you and say, you will like to read? <laughs> you will like to work with wood? No. How you did it was you served in all these things and you did what you needed. You went to school and school gave you an assignment. Here's a book to read. And you read it. I don't want to read it. Wait a minute. I'm liking this book. This book's all right. And you begin to find some other books that you've... Pretty soon you're looking on your own for to find books to read. I like to read. I didn't know I liked to read. When I, when I grew up, I thought I hate languages. Hated them. I knew I didn't like English. <laughs> took English all through. I, didn't, I knew I didn't like that. I took Spanish... I did not like Spanish. I was not made to learn Spanish. And I learned a few things about French. I knew we weren't going to get along. There's no way I would get along with the French language. That thing, it makes no sense at all. I thought English was bad. French is terrible. I stumbled upon Greek. And when I got a hold of that, oh, man, I fell in love with the language. I still study it to this day. I just got a picture of my Greek teacher. They posted it on my King's College website. So now I have a picture of my Greek teacher on my phone. <laughs> Mr. Killian. Mr. Killian saw that I loved the, the language. And they only offered two, they actually offered three years at, at uh, King's on Greek. But no one ever took the third year. No one. I was the first one who signed up for it. So I signed up for it, and he came to told me, he says, you know, no one has ever signed up for third-year Greek. Two years has been all they ever wanted to do. But he says, um, you're the first one. I will do it just for you. And he did it as an independent study. 
still love Greek. I can't wait till we get, get into things like the New Testament and we can break down the Greek and I can dissect the sentences and study out the word and then come on out here with some things to, to help you all. I love Greek. Despise Hebrew. Do not like Hebrew. You're not going to get me to learn that one. But you see, how did you find out you had those loves? Because you were busy. You will not find what your talent is if you bury what you got, if you don't use it. If all you do is what's going to benefit you, like this one servant did, it won't, won't help you out. But you get out there and you, you begin to serve the Father. And as you serve the Father, I want you to look for this. What do you love to do? What is it that when you're doing it, you just, oh, I so love this. What do you love to do? God, I love doing this. How can I do this more? And you find ways. God will show you ways. God will open up doors for you. He'll do it. Because he wants you to take the talents that are inside you. He wants you to put them to work. And he wants you to take whatever he gave you to start with. And he wants you to double your capacity. And you have the ability to do it. Whatever God gave you, you have the ability to double it up before you get to heaven. You also have the ability to bury it. But it doesn't mean, if you buried it, it doesn't mean that you didn't have the talent and you didn't have the ability. It just means you were wicked and lazy. According to Jesus. Not me. According to Jesus. I blame him. I don't want to be wicked or lazy. But this is how you can find it. Because inside of you, God has given to each, the word of God said, to each has been given. You can sit there in your prayer closet all day long and say, God, tell me what it is and my gift is. You won't find out what it is. But if you get out there and you serve, and you become a servant, and you be busy for the kingdom of God, not just busy, you're developing your spirit, you're doing the things you need to do there, but you get out there and you serve. God, how can I serve you? One of the things we try and do every, every Sunday here is to equip you with a better understanding of the Word of God so that when you are out there in the world and you encounter people who have some warped ideas of what the Word of God is, what the Word of God teaches, that you can help them and you can talk with them. Don't let those opportunities pass you by. Find them. Start those conversations. Get in there, talk with people. Because we serve God. We haven't said this in a long time, but this is the catchphrase we did for a long time. You serve God by serving others. We serve God by serving others. Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, I thank you that in each one of us, you have placed an ability, a talent, a gift, a calling. We can take that calling and we can try and fulfill it in the flesh like Moses did way back in the beginning. And that won't work too well. Or we can let the anointing of God come on us. And we can flow in the anointing like David learned to do. Like Moses eventually learned to do. Like Joshua learned to do. Like Elijah learned to do. 
so many others. We want to learn how to flow in the anointing, in the gift and the talent that you've given us. If we try and fulfill those talents in the flesh, we won't find the love. But if we let the Spirit of God empower us to accomplish those things, we will find the love for those things that will give us a grace that we can overcome all kinds of crud that the world throws our way, that the church throws our way, that believers throw our way. Because we love you. And we love them. I thank you, Father, for the way that you grow us and the way that you develop us. With every head bowed, you've heard all these parables, you've heard all the things that are going on here. You're saying, first off, I want to make sure I'm in the field. You have not yet accepted the invitation to be in the field. Raise your hand. We want to make sure that you get past the invitation. Okay. Not that one. After that, you got to make sure that you take the invitation and the gifting that is given you for faith. And you take that faith and you put it to work. And then after that, there's a talent that God has put in your life. Don't let the devil sell you short. Don't let him tell you that you haven't got one. You may not have discovered it, but you got one. You got at least one. You might even have two. But dedicate yourself here today to serving God by serving others. God, I just keep saying it to God. God, I know the more I serve others, the more I will find the gift and talent that you have put on the inside of me. And when it comes out, and you not only serve God with what he gave you, but you love it. Oh, it just excites your life. Now you're on the right spot. You may have already discovered what your, what your talent, what your gifting was. But if you tried to fulfill it in the flesh, it may not have seemed like it back just like Moses did and accomplish it in the spirit. Oh, I'll tell you what, you have a lot more that you can do. A lot more things you can you can accomplish. And God will help you. Thank God for that. Well, this week we have a teaching out there for you. I didn't find too much new material that was out there. This is a very old Rick Renner teaching that he did talking on some of the imprisonments that uh, Paul had in Philippians. A little different from what he was doing over this last year. This is this came, I don't know, 15, 20 years. It's a very young Rick, Le- Rick Renner on this one. Uh, I think you will enjoy it. Some of the things, I put some uh, summary of it in there in the bulletin. I hope that you enjoy that. I heard some people, some people asked me a question, well, one or two of them did, on the teaching that we had last week from Lisa and the the parable that I told you that she had uh, that she would touch on she didn't want to get into a whole lot but she touched on it a little bit and so um, Ethel and I we were having a good conversation all this sort of stuff so I, she, she made me go back alright I gotta go back to my notes and find out what, what's going on in this thing I, I um, didn't plan on covering this one in this one if you are questioning at all or would like to we can go over this parable this is the parable of the neighbor who comes over and bangs on the door of the man with the bread now, if she put it in there and she just kind of threw it out there, she mentioned some guy who's a big authority on par- I don't know who he is. Um, I've not run into him, but that doesn't mean there's a whole lot of people I've run into. Uh, 
She put it that the unsaved person was the one coming to the door. I have put it that the unsaved person is the one who came to his house. And that he was the intercessor. If this parable interests you, let me know. If no one lets me know, I'm moving on. But if you all want to know about some more about that parable, we can uh, put that one into the into the mix. You know how to get in touch with me. You all have my cell phone number. You can text me. You can do all sorts of stuff. You can let me know. You don't talk to me on the way out. You can talk to me that way. I can work it on in there. I don't mind. This is one of the few parables that I've I've got. The, one of the few sermons I have ever preached in the last 30 years that I can't find my notes on. They're gone. I, you, I, I double, triple, quadruple. You don't know how many times I back these things up in different places, and that, that one seems to have gotten backed up with a bad copy. And it's, uh, but it's, it's no problem. I can, uh, I can dig all that out. So you just let me know if that's something that you want to do. But I hope you enjoyed Sister Lisa's teaching on that. We have finished Zechariah on Wednesday nights. If you haven't gone through that, we showed you some things that how to tell false prophecy. How to determine if a prophecy is false. One of the last ones we went on, we showed you how to determine if a prophecy is truly from God, but we misunderstood it. Because that's just as bad as getting a false prophecy. We showed you some of the downsides to that. There was a lot of uh, application that we did from Zechariah. I hope that uh, everyone enjoyed that. But we're on to Nehemiah here now. And here's a question we're going to ask you this. Does God need a wall to protect his city? God does not need a wall to protect this city. Why put so much time and effort and resources into building it? Why does he call somebody specifically to build a wall if he doesn't need it to protect them? Did he need a wall to protect the Israelites in the wilderness? He did not. And he protected them, didn't he? So why all the fuss about a wall? So that'll probably be what we're taking on here first on, on Wednesday. Have a great rest of the day. Well, we can't. We got to get communion today. Oh, my. I almost forgot about that one. All right, folks. Go ahead and spread them around. They are coming with the communion elements. You're born again. You don't, don't matter if you're a member of the church or not. If you're born again, receive Jesus as your Savior. We welcome you to participate. The bread represents the body of Jesus. The cup represents the blood of Jesus. We don't want to lose these, these things. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, one of those that was closest to him betrayed him brought the soldiers to him in a private place where they could get him on that same night he took his twelve disciples with the one who would betray him and before supper began he took the bread and he broke it and he said this represents my body which is broken for you the body of Jesus accomplish different things than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is for the forgiveness of sins. The body of Jesus is for the healing of our body. You probably have heard people break down salvation for you. The word Greek word for salvation is sozo, which means saved, healed. Oh, well, thank you. We have been saved and we have been healed by what Jesus Christ did. So we eat the bread together. Let's remember the body of Jesus Christ was beaten, was bruised, so that you could walk free from sickness and disease, so that you could walk free from the curse of the law. 
But there's an awful lot of people who aren't. That's right. There's also a whole lot of people that are still in sin. That doesn't mean the blood wasn't there to wash them. To cleanse them. We eat this bread. He said, remember this. Because he knew we would forget it. So he broke it up into two parts and put an entire meal in between. So that we would know the bread, the body of Christ, is for something different than the blood. They are not the same thing. As we eat together, let's remember, the body of Jesus Christ bore your sickness, bore your pains, bore the curse of all for you. So you don't have to. Let's eat together. After supper. blood of the new covenant the old covenant pointed towards Messiah the lamb a blood offering that would one day be all that is needed the blood of bulls and goats was a temporary hold until we had what was coming what Jesus did on the cross pouring out his blood taking that blood taking it up to the altar in heaven pouring it on the altar is for you you don't need penance you don't need to do so many good deeds you don't need to work hard you don't need to be unsure you can know the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from all sin let's drink together and remember what he did Father we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, Messiah, the Lamb, who died on the cross for our sins. Help us, Father, as we go out in this world to spread that message to the people that are around us, that all can receive salvation. All can receive it. Help us, Father, to be the ones that are there to present it to them. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Glory to God. Holiday weekend. Enjoy whatever your plans are. I'm sure I'm glad that you started the day here with us.